0: You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more.
1: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com.
0: This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Hello, I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Welcome to the show. And this is another episode recorded live at the Gilded Balloon at last year's Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Now, before we start, I should probably point out that this audience was infiltrated by a stag party dressed in safari suits. Uh, quite what they were coming to see, I don't know. But there are a few moments where you'll hear they get a bit involved, nothing major. Uh, anyway, just thought I'd make you aware of that before we started. I don't know how well we explained it in the uh, in the recording. Uh, I'm very pleased today to be talking to the amazing Norman Lovett. (laughs) It's just occurred to me, as I stand here complaining about how far I have to walk, I also have to make my axe do that as well, so I'll I'll maybe fix that later in
1: the uh, the run. That's fine, I'm all right, fine, Fine. I'm living up... um, Marchmont Road, I'm on the little stair and there's three flights. Yes. It's a killer. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've only got one set at home where I live in Epsom and, uh, you know, and three, and with a dog as well, a pug. Yes. And he won't go up them. I have to carry them up (laughs) because they don't need much exercise, pugs. You know. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's their excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Norman, before we go any further, can I ask you if you'd like
0: to hold the mic or position it such that it's a bit nearer your mouth because these are He's a stand-up Well, artist. I didn't know I had
1: to do that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 sure. I am um, perfect. I sort yeah. of ne- I've never been a comedian that sort of Gone round holding the mic, type. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that so, walks yeah, around. I've yeah. never done that. I never. I've always addressed the mic and stayed there okay. in one place. I've never.
0: Is, why? Why is that? Is that because?
1: Uh, I've just always been very minimal, really. I was so minimal in the early days; it was unreal, really. I, mean,
0: I was talking pauses to pauses and stuff. I was know. talking to a friend of mine last night who saw you a little while ago when everyone was doing. I think it was for a benefit. It might have been one of the Malcolm Hardy uh, concerts, uh, one of the big ones. And he said you had two minutes. And there was the, the, mic, st- uh, the mic in the centre of the stage and he said, your whole set was you walked towards the mic, got there, said you were a bit out of breath and then said, well, I've only got another minute to finish and it's going to take me that long
1: to leave. And then you left and he
0: said it was one of the funniest
1: things you'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah I've probably done that. Yeah. Is, it, it, I like stuff like that. It's good. I think it's good. So, so. <laughs> uh, well, we'll we'll find out. A if lot. you've only got two minutes, you just think, oh for God's sake! You know, it takes me two minutes to get yeah started. You know, absolutely. You're you're someone
0: long. that works a lot with uh, with stillness and gentleness on stage. Yeah, I
1: think inside. There's anger and everything, you know, I get, I get cross. I'm I'm getting better at that. I think now I'm 66. I find I'm much happier with myself than I've ever been in my life, really. You know, going through those sort of decades as you reach death. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it's there, but on stage, I just like you know it's just it's my style and I suppose I was I've always said I was influenced by Max Wall definitely Mm. and waiting for Godot and stuff like that and when I went to see Max Wall he had pauses between his jokes and a twinkle of an eye and stuff like that and people like that well some people do I mean some want you know a million million Mm. miles an hour jokes but you know I was never going to do that. Never. So so just for the benefit
0: of uh, people in the room who might not have seen you before or listeners oh, yeah. all over <laughs> I mean, the world, who, I don't who know, might not have.
1: Why, why did you come here? <laughs> <laughs> I, why, I, why are you here to see Stuart's chat show or you've been before? Or, or is, I'm interested we'll, to find we'll do, out. We'll, do a,
0: we'll do a quick vote. Hands
1: up if you were given a flyer by an attractive young person. Yeah, they're, they're, tell the truth, always tell the truth. There we get a specific Norman Lovett fan there. Oh, right, that's good, yeah. But the, otherwise, yeah, I'm going to say if they don't know,
0: sure. you know,
1: probably don't know who the hell I am <laughs> But I've been going for about 34 years. I started when I was 32, 32, so I started quite late. And uh, so I've been around quite a bit, and I suppose the Red Dwarf thing has helped me. Uh, I played the computer in Red Dwarf 25 years ago, and it seems to have be going on forever standing the test of time which is fantastic i'm very proud to have been part of that and stand up i've been doing that all the time as well you know so so, so can we start off by
0: talking about how you got into stand up that initially oh, yeah. that, that's that's yeah, yours
1: for you. has anyone been drinking N- no no no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> 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 that's natural that's true Straight out of the tap. and yeah, and yeah lo- that's proper. No it's, no, it's lovely, isn't it, compared to Epsom and London. I mean, it's just much better. <laughs> you have to have a filter down there. I, I, well, should got- I should have said,
0: if you if you haven't seen Norman stand-up, if you're a fan of him or <laughs> something else, it's not dissimilar to this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just keep sort of talking about little things that I notice and... And I do it when I go to Waitrose or the, the checkout lady. I just, if it happens to come out, it comes out. It's, it makes her happier with her day and I'm happy doing it because I just, that's what I want to do. You know, you, you, you do when you die, you don't do it anymore. So let's talk to each other while we're still alive. You know, that's my philosophy. I think really.
0: So, so what was, what was the impetus when you first brought yourself to stand up, when you, when you did your first ever stand up gig?
1: Well, I think when I first started, I, I had a guitar. And I liked John Cooper Clark, and it was the punk time. And this musician friend of mine, Bernie, we did a show. He played the piano, and I wrote some lyrics of songs and stuff. Mm. So I had this guitar, and I was chugging away with some chords. I knew a few chords, and I liked John Cooper Clark. And it wasn't very good, but that's how I started. I had a guitar and did these sort of, like, poems. to Okay. And then at the comedy store one night, I'd gone down really well. I was really pleased, and I thought, can I go back on? to when Alexis Sale was hitting the gong to be mm-hmm. gonged off. Mm. And I said, can I go on and do five minutes without the guitar? And I did that and I spoke about this was a truce all oh, the best comedy is the truth. Uh, about at the age of 11, we had at my secondary modern school, we had maturity tests where we just in our shorts <laughs> and with the, the PE teacher, Tug Taylor. I don't know why he was called Tug Taylor. <laughs> The meaning of tug has changed completely to what it was there. I don't know why it was called that. And giving you a mark out of five for maturity, looking under your arms, (laughs) looking down there uh, out of five. And I got half. (laughs) (laughs) uh, That's my joke. I I can't remember what I got, but that was my joke. And I said someone else got ten out of five because he was... (laughs) he was like a full man you know already at the age of 11 but that's a true story it's a true story apart from the little lie about the half
0: sure and had you had you prepared that in advance or were you just thinking I'm really excited now I'll just go yeah no
1: I just thought about that I thought I'll just go on and do that but I've never got I think whenever I go on to do my show I can't tell you what the first word will be I can't tell you what my last word will be really or what I'll do exactly you just have a lot of stuff and I like Talking to the audience and see what comes up and see, you know, what, whether they're laughing at certain things I do or I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's in, instinctive. I think I I try not to analyse it. To be quite honestly, I'm, I'm honest with you, I've never really analysed it because I think it's dangerous to do that. It's that's just how I am. Sure. But you, I, I could work harder no no not, minutes no <laughs> i mean i don't think you have any rules i think it's like with this thing about all these comedians today they i think patrick monaghan i think went to uh, uh to learn how to do it mm. you know and i thought no 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 you can't do that that's surely but you like you can because sure. well, jimmy Carr had a five-year plan he worked for bp and then he became a comedian, went into comedy, and he had this five-year plan, and look look at him now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's. I, I
0: can't imagine how, it, how much it's changed since the days of the, the original Comedy Store and Alexei Sal. Certainly in the, in the yes. eight or nine years I've been doing stand-up, it, even within that time it seems really to have changed, that people now have, um, it's now regarded as a, 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 a career choice. I remember when I started doing comedy, yeah, I tell people I did comedy and they go, wow. And now they go, oh, my brother does that. It's yeah. just, everyone. No, mine
1: doing. wasn't a career. Mine was from my heart. I wanted to do it. I liked it before me. Once I got a taste of it and I liked making people laugh. I just thought, I like doing this. I can sure. do, I can do this job and I like doing this job. And it was simple as that, really.
0: So when, at what point after that first gig did it become a, a job for you? When were you able to make a living out of it and not do anything I else? I think
1: there was a thing by the government. I started in 79, I think. I can't remember. I was working at the Whitechapel Art Gallery four days a week as an inv- invigilator. Mm-hmm. That's a good word for someone who stands around telling people not to touch the paintings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was a scheme... That helped you with your first year. I can't remember what it was called by the government. And I went on that. You got a bit of help by that. Mm -hmm. And that was it. I just went self-employed from there on in. And then I remember we had a meeting in Tony Allen and all the alternative comedians and people there. And there was only about 20, 30 of us then. We all had a meeting saying the minimum we must be paid per gig to do a spot is £25.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And my first
1: payment was £3. A pub in Town, I remember that was the first time I got paid money for performing. And how did that, Three pounds.
0: How did that feel? I mean, that's a big. Great, right, it is. It's, it's a fantastic comics, it?
1: feeling. Yeah, it makes you feel really good. Oh, that was
0: miss. that? As that gorilla turned up? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait, uh, plastic, plastic. Plastic. Right. Good. <laughs> good. Well, w- welcome. It's almost a sellout. Yeah. <laughs> so you, as well as in the in the early days, you were someone that used to work the Tunnel Club.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, which, for those who don't know, I mean, can you just describe your experience? It's a of notorious
1: working? place. Um, it had sort of two audiences, really. The, it, the bit was split, really. And Millwall fans used to go down there. It's raucous, right opposite the uh, Tate and Lyle sugar refinery in southeast London. Uh, Jules Holland used to come along. There's quite a few well-known people used to come along and watch it. Was it just it was a Sunday night at the Tunnel Palladium? And Malcolm Hardy, who was this crazy crazy what would you call him alternative comedian or yeah he's, he's,
0: re- he's referred to as the godfather of alternative comedy yeah. he was kind of half a comedian half an impresario yeah,
1: a, he wasn't funny really <laughs> 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 when he tried to be funny it was never funny but
0: but, but, but he <laughs> he, ha- he had the, he had the quality that a lot of comedians don't which is that he could be bothered to put a gig on
1: oh yeah but he put on gigs yeah. he was like yeah he, he was he did everything he, he did emceeing a, a, and so he was better at emceeing i think mm-hmm. and putting on shows and picking people no he was very he was very supportive with me he, he liked what i did and
0: him. that's known i mean it's, it's interesting to to imagine you and your style and your rhythm working at the tunnel club which is a famously a I terrifying know, i know they destroyed
1: some acts they really destroyed them booed them and everything and I always went down, all right. I was still scared in my heart each day that Sunday when I knew I was doing the tunnel club that night. I still thought, oh, well, this is your, they're going to get you tonight. <laughs> they're going to, but they didn't. They loved, it. they went with it. They liked it. Do, you, do you have a sense of why that was that they? Well, just nutters, aren't they? No, I mean, it,
0: I mean, why it was that that you that you in particular got away with it is it something to do with your your status on stage? Maybe well, they didn't find challenging. Perhaps they
1: li- yeah, perhaps they liked how laid back I was. The sound of my voice, perhaps, was relaxing. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. And what I was talking about was. Yeah, they they found it funny. I don't know what I was talking about. That's the thing about having the notebooks. I have got a few, but I wish I'd kept them all because I often get people on Twitter saying oh I'm, I'm, i remember seeing you you know and you did that thing about the Kit kitkat well that was i think that was me that on was twitter you, yes yeah. because <laughs> yeah, yeah and i tell you why it was it was and i yeah, tell
0: you why because i i we i was just mentioned before we gigged together in rice slip in uh, the bunker the comedy, comedy Club, bunker, the comedy bunker, bunker yeah. and that you were saying that must have been about six years ago because your use of that did
1: i do it i didn't do it then You you
0: didn't do the Kit Kat no 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 No, but but backstage I met you and was all excited I was sort of you know Red Dwarf is the first program I remember kind of crying laughing at as a kid so I was all excited to meet you and I said oh I remember last time I saw you you did this joke about a Kit Kat and you went oh remind me what the joke was and I told you what it was and then you wrote it down and then I reminded you on uh, on uh, on Twitter I sort of said as a little joke uh, about a week ago I said oh I'm looking forward to talk about the Kit Kat joke and you said what was it again and I wrote it down (laughs) and said.
1: I'm going to do it again because it still applies, doesn't it? It's about walking along in the road. It's blokes mainly. You fall or trip. And some blokes, especially younger blokes, they always say, look round, I didn't fall down then. No, was all right. What, what, what's your problem? I say if I trip, I just go to the ground. I lie down there and I always carry a, a little two-biscuit two Kit Kat. <laughs> and, and I just sit down and have a snack. And get up in my own time and carry on with my journey. That's, <laughs> it. That, that's all it was, but it, people loved it. You know, they liked it. I'll I, I bring it back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let, let's talk about the show that you're doing here at Edinburgh. Yeah.
1: Is that a? It's called Old
0: and New. Is it sort of a collection of your best of stuff or stuff that you've?
1: No, it's called Old. I'm old and and I'm new as well. Okay. No, it's not. It's no. Not <laughs> They just wanted to come up with bloody titles all the time and I just thought old and new'll do and I just thought it would be really nice <laughs> it'd be really nice if that was the blurb for the show as well. But, yeah. yeah. I think I did mention that in one blurb I did, I don't know. I, I mean I've been coming up so long I'm like this old old cult Comedian, I don't get reviewed anymore. Do I, I? Rarely get reviewed. I should imagine one day I might sort of. You never know. You might, they might discover me. You know what I mean? So, oh, <laughs> oh, there's this float. He's been going around a long time. I think. I don't know. Yeah, old and new is three, three letters, and three letters. New three letters. Norman Lovett. Norman six letters. Lovett six letters. And I'm sixty-six. So work it out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> will have to. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about, but I, I, that's the way I, my brain sometimes works. <coughs> and you've uh, you've got your first show tonight. You yeah, it's you, show. It's okay. your first show tonight. But yeah, I think it's the. I didn't want to do now and then. Mm-hmm. I thought of calling it now and then because of Jimmy Savile. Yeah, now okay. then, now <laughs> then, and I didn't. I didn't want to clear, but I do. I do have a really rude Jimmy Savile joke. Okay. Uh, that I do and I still do it I mean I know it's over and but it's just funny it's a true story Kitty my 21 year old daughter rang me it was last November wasn't it we were all talking about Jimmy Savile saying the bastard died and got away with it you know mm. Um and I said to Kitty I said I remember in the late 70s and or early 80s Kitty that uh, people said he was a necrophiliac you know and then Kitty said she's a bright girl don't get me wrong she said didn't anyone come forward <laughs> and I and I couldn't resist it. I said, "Well, unless he fucked him back to life, no." <laughs> and if he had a done, he'd have been a hero now, wouldn't he? There'd have been people coming up and say, "Jimmy brought me back to life." <laughs> no, it's a bit sick, but it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I don't usually do rude stuff, but allow me one.
0: <laughs> one so when show. you were when you were writing that show, is that a show that you have... writing the show? Yeah. Would okay. You say? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I You know, I've never
1: written a show.
0: So are you are you purely improvising or have you just got a sort of a sense no, of have, there's some I bits that you got? No, I have a list
1: of stuff and I've got new things okay. that I want to do. But as I say, I never know what I'm going to start with. And also I have my, my laptop, which I've got there, my, my iPad. And I show images on the screen of photographs I've taken of, of, on TV for people on TV. That, photos, you know, you, photos yeah
0: photos you've taken for people on tv I Fro- of
1: people on tv okay
0: you've taken photos of the television
1: yeah okay <laughs> what's wrong with that <laughs> you wait a little it will catch on i'll tell you okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to
0: work out if you'd invented instagram before anyone
1: else i tell you have you seen the 3k tv you know the new um highest what do they call it? The quality. What the they, definition. Uh, definition. Have you seen the latest one? I was in uh, John Lewis yesterday. This isn't a routine. And um, <laughs> and I was looking at a sound bar because you know these new our uh, new tellies are so slim. The sounds rubbish, isn't it? It's crap, and you get sound bars because you you want a good sound to match the picture. And he said to me, "Go and look at the latest high definition." 3K TV. Mm-hmm. And I went across and there's another young boy watching, looking at it and another bloke. And we sit, we're staring at it in awe. It was fantastic. It was unbelievable. I, I hate 3D. I think that's just a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through that. There was a, it, when was that? When we had the red and the yellow glasses. sure uh, there's a form of that in the seventies, wasn't that, or Something. And now there's, I think that's a gimmick personally. Not not interested, but the new high definition, you felt like you could... you, You saw a face and you could see the pores of the skin. Yeah. And there was a candle there, just a candle, lit candle, and you felt you could feel the heat from the candle. It was yeah yeah so great. i think it's
0: problematic for a lot of uh, a lot of actors now are finding that their makeup isn't working for them anymore because it's uh, genuinely oh it's, yeah, it's, TV, it's such yeah. High definition well this is the thing about you can women. wrinkly people are I, in terms i'm re- of.
1: yeah i'm really supportive about I, i'm i suppose because i'm older when 66 i'm the same age as mick jagger alan sugar we're all 66 ron wood but they're all richer, (laughs) 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 but we're all the same age anyway, so it's quite interesting to see the age process, but I I just hate ageism, I really do, Mm. and as I've got older, I just think when they had a go at the Rolling Stones, there was a tweet once said, I know what I'd do, I was saying it was too hot to iron, you know how hot it was in London week or so ago it was just so hot and I wanted to iron some shirts and I thought if I put the iron on it's too bloody hot I can't move you know and I tweeted it or something and someone said I know what I'd do I'd I'd use that iron to iron Mick Jagger's neck to get rid of all his wrinkles and I replied I said I'd love to see your neck at 66 see what your no 70 Mick Jagger's 72 isn't he I said I'd love to see your neck at 72 but I'm glad I'm not going to (laughs) (laughs) Just so cruel so cruel there's just no need for it because god i mean the rolling stones is fantastic isn't it really mm-hmm. i mean he's 72 and he's got the same waistline that he had when he was 25 you know it's fantastic it's
0: do you i mean do you think that people might think the same thing about you norman that you're still going and performing at? uh you know in-
1: it depends on that really and the body and everything like that my mother-in-law um, she died of Alzheimer's, and she was as bright as can be. She was a sheriff in mm-hmm. in Nottingham, <laughs> <laughs> in Glasgow. She was a sheriff. She was very eccentric, as bright as anything. And then she got the, mm-hmm. uh, she got it, and we well, rem- never forget the first hit the proof, not proof, the little indication that she was ill was one night we were at with, with my daughters and my wife, and we were sitting eating, and she said, "Who's Mickey Mouse?" And I thought, oh my God, everyone knows who Mickey Mouse is, and that was the first sort of little bit. Mm. And then it all—it's mm. a horrible disease. I, I hate to get something like that. That's horrible. You just turn into a vegetable. Sure. And the it's terrible.
0: So this is Norman. I think it's a really different interview not only because of Norman's perspective having been performing comedy for so long uh, but also as you can hear he's not an easy man to pin down on his writing or creative process but I think I gave it my best shot and there's certainly some excellent stuff in here as well as quite a lot of Norman being Norman which is of course very very entertaining in itself. Uh, plug time now. And if you live in the Midlands, you can come and see myself and James A. Caster, or James A. Caster and I, as someone pedantic corrected me on Facebook. James A. Caster and I will be doing a double-headed preview of our new shows, both works in progress, in Leamington Spa. That's on March the 3rd at a venue called Lamp in Leamington Spa. Uh, I think that's the Leamington Art and Music Project. For tickets, you can go to recklesscomedy.co.uk. Listen, obviously, I'm excited about my show. When we did the preview in, uh, in the Pleasants in December, James is, is just great. He is such a pleasure to be working with him, uh, because he's just absolutely brilliant. He's, uh, I was talking to Chris Boyd about this the other, the other night. Um, he's, he's not so good that I'm annoyed and jealous. He's so, so good that I'm like, oh, well, you're obviously a genius. So do come along and see that, if not for me, just to see what ACAST is up to now. Um, so that's the 3rd of March in Leamington Spa, recklesscomedy.co.uk. Once again, I've released a short video with highlights of this episode. Yes, if you'd like to see our faces as we bang on, please go to youtube.com/slash/comcompod. And if you enjoy that, please share it with potential new listeners. I'm always asking you to show the to share the show around, but it's probably quite hard to get across what sort of thing it is. I realise that whenever I'm describing it to people, I have to go, no, no, no it's it's that, but it's really good. <laughs> and uh, you can hardly post an entire podcast to someone's wall. So I thought a little highlights video might be more useful to you in your attempts to share stuff. Thank. Thank you once again for all your donations and the encouraging messages attached to many of them if you would like to support the show just go to comedianscomedian.com and hit the donate button you can choose how much and remember there is no obligation i'm bowled over when people send me anything from five quid to very occasionally 50 quid and i'm gutted whenever someone apologizes for their donation only being a fiver it you don't need to apologize it's here for you it's free you don't owe me It's up to you if you'd like to support it. I would also especially like to thank a listener who donated the cost, and they pointed this out, the cost of a copy of Assassin's Creed 4 for the Xbox on the basis that they've had more enjoyment from the show than they'll get from the game. Man, that's kind, but I don't want to get in the way of you free-running and stabbing people on Assassin's Creed 4 if it helps you not to do that in real life. But thank you, and thanks all of you. Now, let's get back to Norman Lovett. Cool fact... do you ever try to when you're making work when you're writing material when you're well when you're when you're talking about material i'm sorry i know this this well, idea I, of writing I've Maybe i tried some stuff
1: of it. i used to do stuff to a video camera just okay. on my own just improvise to it do this stuff half an hour of stuff because i can talk for I, I can I can talk over a long time. Mm-hmm. I just don't talk very fast, and and then and then I look back at it, say a few days later and stuff, and you just look back and you just say, oh, that could that'll work. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Sure. But I don't do that anymore, even now. So okay. he's gone. <laughs> in the uh, he's gone to look for his gorilla, no doubt. He, um, they're all going. Yeah. In the uh,
0: that's alright Maybe it's it's not really a stag do kind of a show. But do they pay money
1: to come in? Well, well, uh, I hope so. Well, they got money to burn. Obviously, bankers. I don't, you don't know. You don't know, do you? You Just don't know. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, I think what, what I'm what I'm trying to get at though is, did you like given that? For example, if you, you, you're talking about the, the death of your mother from Alzheimer's, a, a comedian mother-in-law, here... Mother-in-law, yeah. Mother-in-law, yeah, yeah. Um, Another comedian at Edinburgh, another show happening down the road, might well be about that, with a comedian bearing their innermost, expressing yes, stuff. Yes. Have you ever, Have you ever talked about kind of emotional situations, or is your comedy more sort of lighter observations on things that happen to you?
1: No, I sometimes talk about my mother being a useless cook, <laughs> and uh, being Italian as well, which is crazy. I mean, she came from Naples. Yeah, you know, I sometimes talk about the truth of how she used to hit me with a stick, the mm-hmm. copper stick. That they might have been pleased to hear that. Those three, right? <laughs> <laughs> she had this stick. We did the nappies with. You used to put it in a boiler and do the nappies and with a copper stick, and it made this stick like a broom handle turn sort of white, you know. And she used to get that out and give us a whack if I was naughty. I mean, I was a but I was a boy, you know. Boys do are naughty, aren't they? Some girls are naughty. I bet you were naughty as a
0: girl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you, pair of you
0: (laughs) (laughs) so if you can refrain from chatting up the audience yeah sorry sorry, yeah Um, but um so what i mean is um in terms of like what what drove you to become a comedian a lot of people say they want to express themselves i mean it it certainly seems like you describe the world as you see it you've got a very unique take
1: someone said about me i think in my 20s or something this this girl she said uh, we're sitting around and she was one of those people that just said, oh, you do this, you do that. And she said, me, you laugh at the world. Mm. I always said at that, yeah, you laugh at it all. You just see it and you laugh at it. So that's the way I am. Yeah, it's a good way to describe it, Mm. really. Do you, can you imagine Can you
0: imagine what your life might have been like if you hadn't discovered comedy? Do you know what you might have ended up doing? <laughs> I'm,
1: get, I'm getting rid of them dropping <laughs> my flies. It's, it's quite
0: all right. You're only getting rid of the last-minute stag crew. I think the rest of the people who are here stag. to see you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, Oh, they got free. Oh, well, they, well, they all came in in, uh, in costumes, so I imagine they were expecting <laughs> it to be something rather different.
1: Oh, I see, yeah, yeah. I
0: I wouldn't take it personally. I feel like everyone who's here for the show is here for the show. No,
1: it always hurts you. I mean, when you get, I think I did the NOSDOC Festival. uh, I did two weeks ago. Okay. And they all come in in a tent and sit down. And you get a couple of people go. And it does hurt you. But if you see people go, you just think, oh, that's... uh, And then some more people come in. And, you know, you just... No, no, I've never had a whole... The whole audience leave ever in my life. (laughs)
0: I, uh, I did a, a festival at Cornbury a couple of uh, weekends ago, and I was on uh, in a comedy tent, and there were 400 people in there watching Henning Vane. So, you know, oh, you know, yeah, Henning, a Ger- German yeah, comedian, yeah, very, I know, very funny. I know Henning, yeah. And uh, I was ready to go on, and fortunately, because I've done lots of festival gigs before, I was prepared for this. But uh, he finished, put the mic back in the stand, the compere bounced on to introduce me, and 395 people got up <laughs> and, and went to see the Proclaimers. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, if, you, if uh, your timing was wrong, obviously, mm. and people, a lot of people knew Henning and didn't know exactly. who you were, but uh, that's what I like about the free fringe when you sure. get an opportunity to, to sorry to go and it keeps falling down. When when you get um, <laughs> when you, <laughs> I did the free fringe one year and it's great. You get people, people, to help it I, more than anything. I mean, it wasn't my cup of tea collecting money in a bucket. Mm-hmm. And Peter uh, Butley Hill said. They all think you're rich, anyway. Well, I, mm. I said, "Well, I'm I, I'm." I said, "If I ever do your free fringe again, I'll put my bloody bank statement up there, <laughs> <and> <laughs> show them how much I oh, got. I'm not rich at all." And uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's good for newcomers, mm. and you're going to guarantee an audience. Yeah, and it's a good way to start off. Yeah, definitely. It, it does definitely. seem closer
0: as well to the spirit of maybe the early days what of comedy the fringe when you were was. In. Yeah, when I, mm. I did
1: it in '83 with Helen Ledra, Arnold Brown, and Paul Merton. Okay. who was called Paul, Mar- Paul Martin then. There were four of us. And uh, no, there weren't. Paul Merton wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I did a tour with Paul Merton. No, that was in 84, 85. This, the first time I did the Edinburgh Festival was Helen Ledra, who I argued with the whole time. Because she was like an actressy, all actressy, and sure. very well spoken. But I, I like her; I do like it. She's fine. But we, we did at that time. It was like Arnold was keep, having to keep us apart, okay. you know. And Arnold Brown, and, and we all went on. And one night Helen went on, supposed to do twenty minutes each for a hour show, and she came off after about five minutes because there was about seven people in the audience, and she'd got through all her material. And I remember I went on and did about thirty five, forty <laughs> minutes or something. But uh, yeah, that was the beginning, and then you go and put up your own posters, A4 posters, and it would cost about—I don't know—what did it cost to go in? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Eighty-three? What was that? I I've, f- I've no idea. For a pound, couple of pounds? A couple of pounds or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's how it—that's how it all began.
0: And your your has your material has your way changed over the years? Because I sort of think of you as kind of a Tai Chi comedian, in that you're you're so sort of soft and two, still. too much. Gentle,
1: <laughs> he, he's got his phone on, his yeah. light as editing. I tell you what really we should bright, do. If,
0: if it's just going to be more like this, so if anyone's not up for more, yeah, like are, this, are there if any more people to leave, or have we got rid now. of all of them? <laughs> 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 this, this is what it is, and the rest of us are really enjoying it. So rather leave leaving dribs and drabs. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, isn't are it? you, you safari guys, are you still up for it?
1: No, I'm, I'm quite nice one. Are right. <laughs> there still some there? What? I appreciate you, don't worry. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> what are the safari people then? You
0: it is, a, it is a stag do it looked like a stag do and then when I when I oh said it was a stag do god. you denied it which means it was a stag do oh
1: my god a stag do at this time it's is weird isn't it yeah
0: it's Friday though <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> awesome no worries okay well I think so we're, I think we'll, we'll s- tell you what as a challenge we'll see if we can be so deeply analytical that they also want to leave before the end of the <laughs> how long we got we've got another half an hour half oh, an hour done alright okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, um, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, I think of you as kind of a, a Tai Chi comedian, oh, as yeah. I was saying, because you have that kind of softness, and I can, I can imagine, in a funny way, like a rowdier audience being sort of pacified and soothed by you. I think if I lose it,
1: which I have done... Um, Do you mean lose the room or lose, lose my temper? temper. Yeah. Lose my temper. Um, I'm half Italian, and I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> and I, I love Clint Eastwood. Um But there was a gig I did in London about three or four years ago and it was I just went on, stood I I saw this bloke standing there at the back and I didn't know what I think he was on cocaine or something, just standing there, you know. Mm-hmm. And I started talking and he kept saying, You're not funny as soon as I went on and I said, But they're laughing and he went, Not all of them. <laughs> And I just went, got off stage and went up to him. He was huge. He was massive, about six foot four or something. I said, go i said just bloody go i want you to go fortunately the bloke that ran the gig was a big bloke as well i think it was leachy leach you know i don't know so then. Ran and uh, then i went back on stage and I, I was still angry and i could hear a bit of a kerfuffle down the stairs obviously them getting rid of him mm. but he just really angered me and i just left the stage but i got back onto the stage and i, I got back into my stride and the gig was fine uh, it's wrong. It, as soon as you do, I think if you talk to most comedians, you'll find they've all been ruffled and mm. got angry. I think John Bishop's its happened to John Bishop—and mm-hmm. you know the real big people and Billy Connolly and people like that. It's all happened to them. Some, sure. Someone's really said something really nasty. Is that and is that because also
0: you're, when you're performing, you're making yourself vulnerable? Do, do you feel vulnerable as a performer, or do you feel after all this sort of after all of your many years of experience, do you feel now that you're so comfortable on stage you're not? i think i'm comfortable your ego isn't at stake maybe
1: no i think i'm comfortable but it still hurts if someone's going to be horrible to you and say like that you know i know that you know there are people around there are people that exist that didn't like tommy cooper and you just think what (laughs) one of the he's one of the funniest men ever you know just think how can you not like that but you have to accept that there are people that don't like certain things yeah but it's the same with I like, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the big bang theory I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best sitcoms I've ever seen in my life and uh, my daughters say "Any anyone that's been just talk to me they say he didn't talk to you about he couldn't keep talking about the big bang theory did he you know <laughs> I do go on about it I do bang on about it <laughs> but <laughs> I you know and there are quite a few people I meet that are fans like me and there are other people who just don't doesn't work for them, you know. But I think it's fantastic. Sure. On the, on the
0: subject of sci-fi, if we could talk about uh, Red Dwarf for a moment. Yeah, um, I don't mind talking about Red Dwarf. But uh, was well, something that struck me is that your your character as Holly on Red Dwarf seems so. I can't imagine anyone else playing it other than you. I mean, I know that someone later later did or play, you know, a different version of it.
1: Well, there were two but, people. Hassie Hayridge did it, and yeah. then they did an American version where that woman. Well known woman played the part uh, the pilot. What was her she was in Frasier, wasn't she? What's oh name? yes, I, I never saw you know. She's a well known act. she was well a big star in that in Frasier, the woman in, do you know do you know her name? Jane leaves she did my part in that, and I was so pleased that it was shit the whole <laughs> <laughs> no, not just me and Jake for Jane Leaves. I was really pleased that the Red Dwarf pilot didn't work out because I thought no, they'll never get it uh, they'll never they'll never get the the same what we had Crane mm. Charles, a poet, you know, Danny Don jules a dancer from the West End, and the uh, Bit of a singer, you know, and Chris Barry, the impressionist, and me, a comedian. It was an incredible ensemble. It was incredible, and they could have gone for well-known people at the time, and they Mm. didn't. I think that was one of the things that... I think John Lloyd said something about that when they were casting it, was "Don't, don't get well known people and mm. it 's really good it worked out a treat in in terms of your your uh, performance in it though the character mm. of Holly seemed very similar to your stand up the The writers had seen my stand up sure, comedy okay, and, and okay. they knew and, and all the characters in Red dwarf we spent a lot of time with the writers in rehearsal rooms, pubs <laughs> mm. and things, and they got to know our real characters, Craig. He once said, he said, I'm not a slob, I'm not a slob. And one day at, in, at dinner in the lunch thing at, 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 at uh, wherever it was, it's, the building's gone now, the mm-hmm. uh, rehearsal rooms at North Acton, okay. he, he put out a cigarette in his dinner plate. <laughs> not a slob, you know.
0: <laughs> but did you, did you feel when you were, because you, you were working as a stand-up at the time, Yes. did you feel that if you kind of gave your stand-up persona to the character
1: of holly on the tv show did you feel you'd be kind of giving away too much of yourself no not really because it was a voiceover at first and the lines were just great i mean the audition piece i did was everybody's dead dave (laughs) really and as soon as i read it in the room to the writers and producer (laughs) i knew that i knew they were gonna laugh before they laughed because i knew it was right for the if you audition for any i don't know if anyone's done any auditions for anything and you know, there's something you know about. You say, "Oh, yeah, this is this is. I can do this. Sure, I can get this across." This what way. What do you think
0: that quality is for you that that you could do that specific it's thing? Just, I don't know. It's just a
1: deadpan. My voice is all right, I think. You know, and uh, just the way I do it. I <laughs> yeah. don't know. I just feel it. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Okay. Um, do you did you ever feel in your in your stand up that there was pressure from gigs or from the the circuit to be anything different to what you were to be punchier to be slicker you seem to be the opposite of a lot of yeah i got
1: i did have criticism from certain people but you just have to learn to ignore it really because you can i've seen comedians that were really odd you know, weird, especially in the alternative comedy early days, there were lots of variety acts, really funny variety acts and stuff and I've seen them sort of go on to do jonglers and stuff, which I've done myself, I've done a few jonglers and stuff mm-hmm. and I've I've done well at jonglers but I've also, haven't done well, mm. some audiences have gone oh, what's this? But I've seen some comedians completely come away from what they used to do and turn into a, just a, another another comedian really, I don't want to be uh, another comedian, I want to be me uh, as near to me perhaps unique I want to be unique I don't know whether I'll ever be unique but I mean I want to do what I want to do yeah Mm. I'm a stubborn old kid yeah well I I think that's I don't know I I think that's really valid
0: and I think that's that's I don't know it's exciting as a comedian and as a comedy fan to hear people talk in those kind of terms because there Mm. is I think such a pressure to fit into some idea of what a comedian is
1: yeah, I think Stuart Lee's very supportive. Uh, he's been so supportive of people like myself and stuff. And he said, he said a thing about the uh, TV people instantly think of young people. Uh, if someone's going to make young people laugh, they'd get Jack the tool. Whitehall. 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 Yeah. Whereas Stuart said Norman Lovett can make a young audience laugh. Yes. You know, but they're not going to pick him. They're not, um, probably eight, there's age again, of course. Sure. And, the, you know, with the 3K definition, <laughs> definition you know, the K, I might look hideous on television. You know, who knows? You don't know. And this is the thing I always support about the women. I just, it annoys me about the women. Moira Stewart, when she got the sack uh, uh, as a newsreader at 38, who I thought was one of the best newsreaders, hmm. you know, she was great and got the sack. If it had been a bloke, she'd have still been there. And I, I just find that that terrible. That's awful. Hmm. I actually saw
0: you. I was looking through your uh, your Twitter timeline the other week. And you'd leapt to the defence of Cariad.
1: Do you remember Cariad Lloyd? Oh, yeah, I I'm remember. writing with Cariad Oh, Lloyd you're writing with moment. that, okay. Yeah, we're, 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 we've only had a couple of meetings, but we want to sure. do something together where she's my daughter and okay. my, my dog Elvis uh, might be in it as well. Okay. <laughs> you don't, he won't talk, but he will. there'll be a voiceover for him. You know, for, <laughs> so we're working on something together. Yeah, she's, she's uh, I find her, I, I thought. I think she's great. She's one great. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I leapt to her defence because this bloke, Oh, yeah, she was on the train and she tweeted on the the announcement on the train came across that that Kate and William were pleased to announce the the birth of a little boy. And the whole audience stood up and clapped. And Carrie had said she didn't move. She said, I just felt so alone, you know, because she didn't stand up and clap because she didn't want to. And then this bloke really had a go at Mm. her. And I said to him, well, I was rude to him, wasn't I? In the Mm. end, I said, you're a C-U-N-T. You're an arrogant I said, I, said, yeah, I said because uh, some of us wave flags and some of us don't and we've got the choice not to wave or to wave that flag so mm. shut up it's it's interesting actually the 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 edge that you do have an
0: edge you do have yeah. an anger inside and it's funny I thought I think yeah. at the very beginning of, of this interview when you said oh you know there's a lot of rage beneath the surface I sort of assumed you were being droll But it's interesting that given that your art form, given that stand-up comedy is something through which people can express anger and you can get shouty, angry comedians, that you you never became or haven't become someone who's kind of wielded anger in that way. You've always – the anger
1: has always stayed below the surface. Yeah, I think sometimes I, I go on and complain when I do my sugar babes rant. I'm afraid I don't know what that is. I couldn't yeah, find oh, it anywhere online. I know. And, uh, uh, it's about four years ago, I went on and I said, what's happening with the sugar babes? <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, 60-year-old bloke talking about the sugar babes. But in, the, in truth, I, I love them. The original sugar babes, not the fake sugar babes. And now it's all come to fruition now that the original ones are back and they're great, and they, but they can't call themselves the sugar babes. <laughs> And yet two of those girls met in a playground of 14 or 15 yeah. and created that name, Keisha and Mucha. And, uh, I think they called themselves the Sugar Babies at first. And now the record company owns the name. Yeah. And, uh, now, but now they're back. And I just thought, good, stay together, girls. They've, they've done a new album and I love music. I do love all music. I love Lady Gaga. I love First Aid Kit. Anyone heard of First Aid Kit? They're fantastic. They're my latest people I like really. And, uh, yeah, but is that but is
0: is a is a rant about the sugar babes? Is that the angriest you get on stage?
1: Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just it, it's interesting. Yeah, I know the, I'm not going to go mad about uh, the politicians and stuff, although they do make me cross as well. Well, well I mean, if uh,
0: they do make you cross and you have an outlet on stage to talk about that, I just I wonder. My question is is why hasn't that ever come out of your well? Your what I routine? think is no, I'm not complaining. I'm just no, no, no.
1: What I think is. I don't know, um I don't know what I am, left or centre or I don't really belong to anything. I've done Stand Up for Labour, I've done a few of Hit Their Gigs, that's okay. but I'm not really I don't belong to any club and I just find the whole thing of left and right and they spend each too much time talking slagging each other off Mm -hmm. and i just want people that are clever enough enough to make this world function properly but it was it ronald reagan who actually said he said politicians don't you know the money's not big enough the the real bright people go into big businesses (laughs) and i thought that's that's pretty true isn't it so the people you end up with aren't necessarily the cleverest people on the planet hence I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I just I just try, I like things to be sorted out and I think one of the most important thing is, I said this to Alan Johnson, I did a panel show with Alan Johnson, the the mm-hmm. MP, the Labour MP, but, yeah. and I said that thing in Oxford Circus where, I don't know, they, they've got barriers, they used to have barriers to stop you crossing and it, it used to be so congested and they got rid of the barriers, I think it's like a Japanese crossing thing now, and you can go diagonally across. Across, whatever, and you wait, and there's a timing thing on the thing to 25, 24, and you can see how long you've got left to get mm-hmm. off the road. You're not under any pressure or don't thrill, feel stressed. And I just think that's important. That's important to how you feel when you go walking down the road. I think pavements should be made of rubber. <laughs> In case anyone falls, <laughs> I would still have my Kit Kat though. <laughs> Uh, and some things I think about, and I haven't thought them out properly. Hunt the homeless was one thing, and I thought hunt, I th- hunt the homeless. Hunt the homeless, one. and okay. I just I was just trying to take the pressure off the fox foxes, and, <laughs> and I hadn't thought it through properly. So, so you that you, never you, get, you out. seem
0: to be able you seem to be able to take uh, an idea and play with it on stage. And it's almost like you do your writing in front of an audience. You do your writing. That's a good thing to say, yeah.
1: You're actually editing your writing and editing as you speak. And sometimes when you can have a gig and everything that comes out of your mouth is fine. You know, the audience are laughing and it's absolutely fine. And sometimes you just think, oh, perhaps I shouldn't have spoken about that. But I did. Perhaps I got away with it. I don't know. But yeah, that that that's a good way of doing it. It is. I mean, my mind all the time... Every day I, I write down ideas. I have got a book. I write down mm. ideas and stuff. And I, I, he's always thinking in there. It's always going on in there. And I don't sleep that well. Okay. I think it's because Elvis sleeps on the bed. <laughs> and he snores a bit. I just roll him over and he stops. He stops. But it's been so hot, hasn't it, lately? You, do, you know, you just have the one. You just don't have the, the duvet. You take the duvet out and just use the cover or a single sheet. And in India, apparently they wet the sheets at night. When they go to bed, they wet a sheet and they have a damp sheet over them and that keeps you really cool. I don't fancy doing that, but apparently (laughs) that that keeps you really cool. If you do that, they do that. Do you? um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I can't tell whether I'm 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 pulling you back to the act or this is the act. No, I know, know, I know.
1: (laughs) There's not much. I I, I think I said one day, I said, uh, there's just a little step to the side I make. Uh, for Norman performing on, st- I, I don't like the third party thing. I sure, just did that. There. Okay. Yeah. To, to when I perform, I step, take one step to the side, and when I'm off the stage, I go back to where I was. You know.
0: Okay. Because there's something a lot of comedians talk about is finding your voice. You know, finding finding well, what's the funniest said, thing about you? But that's not. A, I've a, never a, said that
1: in my life. No. I don't know what they mean to say that.
0: I wonder if you 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 were you were kind of born with your voice.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, yeah, (laughs) it probably was, yeah. Well, I, I was thinking uh, the other day, this is another thing. Kelly Clarkson, who's fantastic. She came through the X factor thing, didn't she? And you get, uh, what's his name really gets on my tits? Uh, Simon Cow. Anyway, he <laughs> take, he is Mr. God Almighty. You know, he thinks he's, and apparently Kelly Clarkson, when she won it, she met him a re- week later and he didn't even remember her name, apparently. Oh, yeah. Kelly Clarkson's okay. very honest. God mm. says it. And I thought, well, he's going to say, oh yeah, I, I, thanks to me, Kelly Cl- Clarkson exists bollocks. Kelly Clarkson would have come through. The really great talents would have come through somewhere along the line. The cream rises and she is a massive talent, you know. And and he thinks he's, he's responsible for it all. He's not. Hmm. Is that, are you suggesting a parallel there with talent rising or is that... No, I just got cross. Ab- yeah. I, just got <laughs> I just got cross about it, like the sugar babes and stuff. I just got a bit cross about that, you know. I just thought... Yeah, um, people think they, oh, I don't know. We've, uh, we've got about 10 minutes left. I'd it's like to men, the- isn't it? Men, men go through life. A lot of men go through life thinking they're God, apparently at some point. Have you heard that? You're nodding. Yeah, my ex-husband's Sorry? My ex-husband's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> they do, thinking they're God, and they're not. You know? So in a way, I think, I wish there had never been a God. And then we wouldn't have had these blokes to put up with who think, oh, yes, I'm in charge. I'm in charge of all you little people. Because that's the problem. That is the problem. Sorry, I I do get angry at times about things like that. If you can all just recover from the scope of of
0: Norman's anger, just give yourselves a minute.
1: It's like the people on a train, isn't it? You know, 50% of people on a train are all right, and 50% of them are dicks. On any train journey, aren't they? Someone will be eating food next to you, or there'll be the man with the laptop, the important man with the laptop, thinking he's the centre of the universe with his bloody laptop taking up room and stuff and oh <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: watch, it's up, tough. watch out,
0: Brendan Burns. Is what saying. <laughs> it's tough.
1: It's tough because I always think each day. When I go out, it's like a game. I go to Waitrose uh, in Epsom. That's my nearest supermarket. Go in there, and I try to get through that day without having an argument or getting upset. And I try, and if I do, that's great. And you know, I always do. I try, and I don't drive anymore. That that's much better because the driving can bring the Mm. worst out in anybody, when it does, doesn't it? (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, that that's what you got to do. It's a game, isn't it? we've we've only got about 10 minutes left and i'd like to uh, i'd like to give the uh, the audience some
0: opportunity for questions uh, if anyone has a question or would like to think of one and raise a hand in a bit, that's fine. Oh yeah, I've got Don't these feel tickets. Under uh, if oh man, yeah, yeah. Oh, we should just say actually, while you while you're thinking, um, Norman's first show is tonight here at the where are you the the Voodoo Rooms. The
1: Voodoo Rooms. Uh, I've got ten free tickets here if anyone wants to go. But I'd like you to come if you want these tickets. Don't just say oh can't be bothered. it didn't cost me, <laughs> didn't cost me anything anyway.
0: Shall we call this a reminder and we'll deal with the admin of the tickets at the end of the show? All right, yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I'm just thinking that there's a fine. I I I was just giving them to give out, you know, for the first three days. Yeah. <laughs> you lot can fuck right off. <laughs> you 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 can come. You can come. You're all right. <laughs>
0: How do you? Have you? Do you have gears on stage? Have you? If if if, a, if you're in a comedy club and a stag do is being problematic or anyone's being problematic, have you got strategies for dealing with that?
1: No, I mean I don't. Re- I do my own show a lot of the time. That's now, mm-hmm. um, and people that have come know who I am and come along to see me. And you never uh, get strays, but, but like these, oh there. yeah, you do get. So yeah, you often get. You get a couple of people in a book saying, oh, let's have a look at this mm. bloke i've heard about him (laughs) i don't know why i'm doing that accent (laughs) Oh, my, my, my son-in-law said uh, he's very funny on this Red Dwarf programme or something, go along and see it. And I've had Red Dwarf people in and go, oh, oh, you know, as if they want me to be what I am in Red Dwarf, yeah. you know, which is stupid, you know, they're going to be disappointed. But a lot of the Red Dwarf people are very supportive and, and like it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I have done shows where there's been stag people in and it's, yeah, it's horrible. It's just difficult. It's very difficult. I always get back, I can be quiet ruthless I said to a woman once that she what did I say to her I've, I've had with people on the tube there was, a, <laughs> there was a woman on the tube once that it, was, it wasn't full I was there and she had a bag and she sort of hit me with a bag and sat down next to me I said excuse me you know it, it doesn't say sorry or anything mm. I said your manners are only outweighed by your ugliness and she was ugly as well. She? <laughs> and I, she didn't say anything. She went quiet. And I, I, re- I thought I shouldn't have said that, really. But I just thought, you ch- you know, why don't you just say sorry? She's just this blustering lunatic, you know. And I said that. It's terrible, isn't it? And I was going down a tube once. I do talk about these things on stage. stage. I was going uh, escalators. Yeah, going down one day uh uh Oxford not Oxford so Leicester Square going down just one and there's this big bloke and he looked stupid I always you always clock him don't you You clock other people because we're interested in other people aren't we how they dress and everything and he looked a bit stupid and as he gone past me he went baldy <laughs> <laughs> and I turned back as quick as a flash I went ugly <laughs> <laughs> and got him got him he didn't even he didn't even look round I could see him sort of flanner, I thought is he going to come after me and Belt me, but oh, great! That was uh, <laughs> yeah. I got I got him. Well, you know, if it's very childish to say that mm. at that age, you know, to call me bald because oh,
0: oh. If if anyone has any questions, now is a good time. If you don't, oh, there's one at the front. So I'm just going to repeat that for the sake of the recording. What were you doing uh, up to the age of 32? Um,
1: lots of jobs. I did lots of jobs. I, I worked in an office for about three months when I left school. Um, I don't know why but it wasn't that didn't suit me at all then i did panel beating and spraying because my hairdresser at the time was getting my hair cut and he said panel beating and spraying that's a good job so i didn't have a i didn't i only had one o level technical drawing and i got that by that you know i i actually that was a che- i cheated because i t- <laughs> i took four o levels and failed the I think maths English and stuff convincingly and they said technical drawing you were very close to passing so you can retake it at Christmas if you like took it at Christmas just me and the teacher sort of over me the technical drawing teacher and he actually he saw me struggling and he helped me with one of the questions <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise I wouldn't have passed it at all so I had the O level technical drawing. <laughs> did you did you have any idea that stand up existed at that time? Did you have any idea that No, that, I, did no you wanted not, to perform? Not really. I just knew about No, not really. Football. I love football. I played football every Saturday and Sunday I played for a team. I played till I was 30. Football I love that. Comedy. I liked it. There was what was on the radio then. Round the horn and Hancock mm. and stuff like mm. that you know i'd listen to stuff like that i love comedy but i was, I was football helped me a lot because i was very shy as a little boy and uh got bullied quite a lot yeah i did get bullied uh and very shy timid and and just got stronger and stronger football made me stronger and i think being a comedian's made me stronger and i think as you get to old age 66 like that you just don't give a shit and you sometimes <laughs> say fuck off it!" <laughs> but yeah, i try not to get into trouble but I can't let it go. I mean, I can't let it go, really, sometimes. You just think, I don't know whether it's the Scorpio thing. You just can't forget things. Like John Lloyd. You know John Lloyd's Mm -hmm. up here, the producer? Yes. Now, he's... Years ago, I went to Hills in Regent Street. What street is Hills in that lovely shop? Tottenham Tottenham Court Road. I was in there, right? He was in there with his wife. He said, Norman what are you doing in here? I, more, I expected you to be in Hackney Market or something like that. <laughs> oh, fuck. And uh, I didn't say anything back to him then. And he's up here, isn't he? Yes, year. he is. I it's thought, if funny. I see you, I will bloody, I will pick you up on that. That was a long time ago. <laughs> it's an outrageous thing to say just because you're a poshie bloke and went to, you know, went to university and went to Oxford or Cambridge, wherever it was, that I can't go in bloody hills and... And, uh, I remember things. I, Bob Crow, I we got could, him. I'm just
0: thinking we could possibly manufacture that standoff between you and John Lloyd. you yeah, like, he, yeah. he's, he's definitely in town. You know, it's down
1: in my book. I've done 30,000 words of my autobiography and that's, that's down in it anyway. When, right. Whenever that autobiography comes out, whenever I write the, the other 30,000 words, you know, but Bob Crow, I got him as well. Mm-hmm. He, he, I did the stand up for labor thing and my wife, ex-wife saw him on the Eurostar in first class. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why well, is he in first class? Why is he in? And, and when I saw him, I did the thing. I said, "You, my wife saw you in first class. And he started to deny it at first. And he went, then he sort of thought, and he went, I want everybody to be in first class. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. I said, it won't happen, will it? You know, but so, I, but I did confront him. My my daughter Lily was in the just standing back, laughing her head off, watching me talk, <laughs> talk to Bob Crow. And he was he was a nice bloke, actually. He was very nice. <laughs> so uh, we've probably got time for one more question. Oh, I was always brought up to say, I'm not saying as a little boy. I probably was wrong. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. see you can see some kids they can't speak or say anything. But there are a lot of young people. I'm not one of those people. No, I I can't stand back and and say, oh, in my day i'm not one of those people because i i'm still i'm still young at heart i think i'm very young at heart but i i i just think there's there's young people who are very polite that i've met but i saw a, a bloke in a wheelchair today and i was too far away he was spinning around i felt really sorry for him he was, and he had to turn himself around to get up this hill and this yeah, bloke walking past with his wife sort of he was looking the bloke but did fuck all mm. you know all he had to do was just give him a little push up this little slope and he didn't do it mm. and i thought i will always do it i've always carried a pram up for people or help i'm like that that's how i am it makes me feel good to do that yeah i don't ask for money no, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, you're quite right. You're quite right. And um, before we wrap up, just very quickly then about
0: your your show uh, tonight is uh, it's your first. I guy. feel
1: I feel I've already done a show. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I'm doing another one tonight as well. A spot on the Viva Cabaret at uh, Okay Pleasance have you ever heard of that uh yes i think i've done it's that it's good one you, you go in the dressing room and there's naked women <laughs> don't tell everyone cause <laughs> don't the, tell everyone no but the da- yeah. <laughs> dance is getting ready and they don't give a damn about you they just carry yeah. on getting changed. very and relaxed a, naked women yeah are, but it's a, it's, it was good to just go on and do a little 10 minute spot and like, yeah that was good
0: get changed a few times
1: yeah, yeah. take yeah. your clothes <laughs> <on>. <laughs> yeah it's, it's at eight o'clock at the voodoo rooms which is the Café Royal isn't it really sort of mm-hmm. next to the Café Royal mm-hmm. voodoo rooms and uh, there's some road works just outside uh, digging a <laughs> hole he reckons they're going to get it done I spoke to the workers there and I, he yeah. said that'll all be done by midnight Sunday or something ok yeah and then okay. one of them knew me he, uh, and uh, I, said, I said just make sure you get get it sorted out mate yeah. people need to walk down here I don't know what they're doing digging up the pipes here. the tram lines are down <laughs> <laughs> They're ready to go. That's exciting, isn't it? It's got to be worth coming back next year. They're bound to be running, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and before we uh, further
0: anger any Scots in the room, we're we'll, there. Uh, we should wrap up there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, please, can you all thank Mr. Norman Lovett? Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So that was Norman. A rambler, to be sure, but an enormously engaging one. So thank you very much to Norman for coming on the show. Thanks, too, to Anton James from So T V who produced the live show. Uh, to James Lowey and Pete Jones for sound and video. And thanks to Ben Lund Conlon for his uh, skivvy duties leading up to and during Edinburgh. Uh, and Nathan Wood for co-producing this episode of the podcast. Finally, if you're a regular listener, you'll know this is when I plug the Audible kickback scheme. Uh, Norman Lovett doesn't have anything on Audible himself, so I'm switching up to another Norman. If you go to audible.co.uk slash cc, for Comedians Comedian, you can sign up to a free trial of the Audible service, where you can download millions upon millions of audiobooks about everything. Look, if you're a podcast person, you know how it works. As well as lots of writing about comedy, there's also tons and tons of stand-up on there. And today, I'm going to push me doing stand-up. By Norm Macdonald, he's a superb American comic with a style that's just all his own—really gentle and twinkling, but razor sharp underneath it. It's a great album, and if you sign up via that address slash cc, then you get a copy completely free, and I get a little something from Audible for sending you there. That's all for now. Lemington Spa on March the third. If you want to come and see me and Acaster doing a work in progress, uh, two different hours. Uh, please share that video around the place if you like it from YouTube.com slash ComcomPod. And I will speak to you soon. Next week, Marcus Brigstock. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, it's so hard not to sound like Partridge when you're doing this. I don't know what to say. Vintage ComComPod, classic ComComPod, it's just bloody great. Marcus Brigstock is an absolutely superb episode. You're going to love it. Speak to you next week.